right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to get a little egotistical on y'all asses. Let's talk about ego in coaching, Alex. What's oh, it, especially yeah. in strength and conditioning, it is it is one of the biggest things. Say, how can we not? <laughs> if we talk about any coaching, we're talking about ego. Um, but no, man, when I think about ego, I just think of the inner voice in your head that, that either tells you I'm better than anybody else or I know more than anybody else. But there's also what opened my eyes a couple of years back is like ego is also the voice that tells you I'm worse than everybody else. I'm not very good, right? Because ego is not only like inflated with like a conceited mentality or I'm better than you, but ego is when your thoughts exclusively surround yourself right mm-hmm. and i think this is pretty evident to see the coach that is genuinely there to enhance their athletes lives and to make them better versus the coach that is really coaching for themselves or coaching to prove that they're good or coaching so that they can be the next best thing so that's kind of my filter when it goes to like egotistical coaching is like are you coaching genuinely in order to make your athletes better and enhance their lives or are you coaching to prove something to yourself or are you coaching to show everybody else how good you are yeah i would argue though and i agree with you um but i would argue no, these to are play the best devil's podcasts advocate, when, when we when we riff back and forth and yeah, disagree, to play so. devil's advocate shouldn't you as an athlete i want somebody that wants to be the best at their job right Right. That that's what I would want when I'm an athlete. I want somebody that's striving to 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 do shit for themselves, to get better, to go out there and and be the guy. Because so, yeah. I want to be work if I'm the guy, I want to be working with that guy in his field. Well, if I'm an athlete and I and I ha- you have to have an ego to be an elite athlete, I will put a lot of money on it. I don't right. I don't care what people say. You have to have that ego. I'm going to go after somebody that has a similar quality to where they think they're the guy of their field. So I don't disagree that you shouldn't try to that, that the number one thing needs to be the person in front of you, no matter what, that, that has to be the number one thing. But I don't think it's a bad thing to try to show that you're the guy too. No. And I, I mean, I guess I can concede a little bit of that point, but it's a real subtle nuance is like the purpose in your coaching session, right? Like I, I, you know, like anybody else, like you as a coach should want to be the best in your field. That's not the, the issue is not that I have an ego. The issue is that where, where does the ego supersede the service, right? right? Because in my session, I shouldn't be coaching my session to reaffirm that I'm the best coach that I know. I need to coach my session to genuinely enhance the athlete. Right, I, I get what you're saying now. I was confused with you know? what you were saying, I guess. It, it's, yeah. I guess, a little bit of a difference in motivation versus a difference in um, thought process or a different right. it, it's, it's the coach that they put something in a workout because it's going to look good on Instagram. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, or, That's what you're saying is you should not fucking do that, which, right. all right, we're on the same page. Or it's like, I'm really good at coaching a clean. And even though a clean is not a great exercise selection for this person in front of me, I'm going to coach a clean because I know I'm fucking good at it. Right. Like that's a, that's an egotistical train of thought versus the thought of like, all right, trap bar jump shrug is the best option for this person in front of me. Let's do the trap bar jump shrug and that I'll get results from that for this athlete. Right. Right. So yeah, it's just a difference in motivation, which leads kind of to the next 
argument with ego is does intent really matter, right? If you're driving the right outcomes, if you're getting your athlete to find results, does it matter whether you're being egotistical in your approach or whether you're um, being less so or being more of service? I, I think it does personally. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think that intent matters because in the long game, the people that are in it exclusively for themselves always get sniffed out. Yeah. Like at some point in time, exactly what Alex is saying, your ego as a coach needs to be put to the back burner for your athlete. It has to, because at the end of the day, you're, you're helping that athlete in front of you. That's your entire job. But that doesn't mean you can't have an ego like Alex was saying, but it needs to be put to the back burner for that athlete's ego in front of you. The people that don't do that, they get sniffed out real quick when they start working with studs because when there's two really, really big egos in one room, there's always got to be a top dog and that athlete has to be the top dog. That's when they step into the cage, they need to feel like the top dog. And you have to understand that if you're not willing to concede that, then that's going to be a fucking problem in a working relationship. And those people that aren't willing to go into a coaching role and they feel like it needs to be about them always end up getting sniffed out by the, by the athletes at the top. Well, and there's a, there's another little subtle difference there. Like when you're in the room with an athlete who's egotistical, like, like we've already said that having an ego, I think is a necessity of success, regardless of what you do, like being a, Mm -hmm a professional athlete, being a coach, being a business person, whatever, like having ego is a necessity of success, but there's a difference between making it my ego versus your ego and making it my ego versus my job, right? Like when I have my ego and I'm working with it to do my genuine best at my job, that's fine. That can be a healthy relationship versus like, if I have an athlete who's a top dog in the room, I don't need to top him. I don't need Mm -hmm. to prove that I'm more influential than him. I don't need to prove that I have power over them. I don't need to do X, Y, or Z. All I need to do is prove that I'm the best person at my job in the, in the exact context, which a lot of that is not necessarily ego swallowing, but it's adjusting to be the best. Like, cause if I'm the best coach and I'm the best in my job, the best interest of my job is not to get in a, um, you know, screaming match or a, a contest with this athlete to see who's quote unquote, the bigger dog, right? That doesn't serve my purposes in getting this athlete to perform. What serves my purposes in getting athletes to perform is knowing this athlete and pushing the right buttons to get the outputs that I know that we need. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, you know, literally letting ego cloud your judgment. Like I don't need to prove that I'm the a a meaner dog than this athlete. I need to prove that I'm the best fucking person in my station. Right. No, I, so I was having a talk with a buddy recently and he was, he was doing a course at for a pro team and they brought him in and there's a guy that runs their entire, entire pro team, uh, the sports med department that Mm -hmm. it's, he's known as one of those guys. He's known as one of those dudes where he, he's one of the best in the business. And the way that, um, that my buddy described him, was perfect for an ideal coach in my mind. He's a quiet alpha. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the guy that's going to sit in the back of the room. He's the guy that's going to be in charge. You know, when you walk in that that's that guy, but he's in the background. He's making everything work. He he's the guy that you don't, he doesn't have to say anything for you to know that he's the guy in charge because he's the one that's putting like, he's that guy that everybody turns to in a, at a matter of crisis. 
So I, I thought that was a perfect way to describe my ideal coach. No, absolutely. And I think that's, that's an easy identification for a lot of people. Like, you know, those people that have that aura about them that like, they just like seem to, to seep out intensity or seep out, um, owning the situation or calm and confidence. Right. Yep. I think that's, that's easy to feel from a person. Like there's a, there's a co- a, a corporeal feeling about a lot of people. And I think of a couple of coaches that I've had in, in my experiences that are like that. Um, but that goes into like, personally, one of my definitions of manliness, right. Or masculinity, like masculinity is not pounding your chest saying I'm the alpha, blah, blah, blah. Masculinity to me is simply doing what you want to do. Right. And then if you do what you want to do and your actions portray actions of a less than ideal person or a bad person, then that's something you have to address within yourself and change your actions. Right. But if you do what you want to do and you have a clear understanding of your personal values, then you're going to act in accordance with them and you'll portray your truest, most authentic self to the world. Right. right. So, so do what you want to do in a sense of I'm in full control of my values and I can act them out seamlessly which is, you know, a hard end goal to reach, but that, that goes into my, one of my definitions of, of masculinity for myself. Yeah. I mean, I would even say that's not even just masculine. That's just authenticity. Like sure. authentic, yeah. it's, it's just being your most authentic self. It could be masculine, feminine, whatever the fuck it wants to be like, whatever it is. But authenticity is what really drives in for the most part that alpha like behavior or the people that can lead the pack is because everybody looks to somebody that's all that they're true to themselves. So, and I think that leads to a good debate or a good question here, Austin. And and I want you to answer it because I don't know if I have a good answer myself, but (laughs) how often does that authenticity, authenticity conflict or is at odds with your ego? Right. Because a lot of the times, especially like a good example is my own coaching career. Like, when I started, I was introverted. I didn't really want to talk in front of the group. I didn't want to give the the motivational speech or whatever. That was just not my brand of leadership or not my brand of, of personality. But, you know, there there's a requirement in the job and now I have a better understanding of it. But how much does that authenticity or that self-identification conflict with the ego that tells me I need to be the best? If I'm going to do this, I have to put this in or this out when maybe your authentic self is not somebody that's, you know, beating their chest at the, at the front of the pack, or maybe your most authentic self is not somebody that, you know, puts the endless grinding hours in. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes down at the end of the day that everybody has a role to play, right? Everybody has to be authentic to themselves, but not everybody has to be a coach. Not everybody has to be an athlete. If you're not being authentic to yourself, or maybe, maybe you are being authentic to yourself and you're that guy that it needs to always be about you. That's your thing. This is what you got to do. You, you're going to find out relatively quick that you're not meant to be a coach. Then you're not going to be able to work with the most elite guys. Just like if you're, if your most authentic self isn't the one that's, that's going to grind out some work is, isn't going to be the one that's going to like get shit done no matter what. Well, then maybe you're not made to like, maybe it's not a, like a CEO type role because that's what, what the, when you think about that, that's what you yeah. do. Maybe you're not meant to be a coach if you don't want to do that yeah. because you're not, you're not going to be able to get up when your clients need to be there because that doesn't fit the economics of the job title. Right. But if we're talking about authenticity in a place of work or, or in like what our discussion is in a job setting, 
then I think authenticity is one of the biggest things because authenticity and really loving what you do comes from understanding who you are as a person. Yeah. If you don't understand who you are as a person, like, and I think that's, it's not, not that you didn't know who you were, but I think that really was at the beginning of your coaching career. I don't, I don't think you dislike talking in front of people. I think you didn't know that you were going to be good at it and you were a little bit afraid of it. Sure. And that's what it was. And now that you really know who you are, you fucking love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that's can't be understated how important that is of understanding yourself before you can be authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's the, the high school, college gross mature, the young adult maturing phase is like a lot of people when they're going through that, or a lot of fighters specifically want to show out, they want to be loud. They want to be the person in front of it. And at that time they don't know who they are or they're not really that self-aware. Right. So that's when you see the, the, awkward branding or that's when you see the the loud mouth that doesn't really have a lot of substance behind what they're saying or or this or that you have to do the work to get to know who you are and then figure out what your best fit role is or how you can best adapt to the position that you're in which is honestly just a really hard thing to do like you have to put the work in to be honest with yourself to to figure that out and then how do i make myself and who i feel confident who i authentically am align with my job or align with me being a fighter or align with me being a coach like what is that that best fit scenario that you can find and how can you genuinely get in a groove with that because that's when you're going to find the most success is when your most authentic self lines up with the best job title or the best role that you can carve yourself out yeah no it's <laughs> authenticity to me, we've talked all the time about is it's probably the most important part in my mind of being successful in anything. Yeah. Like I, I was really lucky growing up that I I've, I've kind of always known who I was. It was something I was born with. I like, I fuck, I knew I was going to do my exact job right now when yeah. I was 14, I was telling people and here we are and I'm 27. I'm doing exactly what I said I was going to do. I just knew what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. And I honestly think at that point, that that's my, if talk about athlete superpowers all the time, that's my superpower is that I don't give a fuck. If you don't like me wearing flip-flops, you don't have to come into my office. <laughs> like, like you don't, you don't have to work with me. It's no skin off my back. If I don't work with one more athlete, the rest of my life, because I'd rather do it my way, which has, has bitten me in the ass more times than I could count yeah, right. than, than do it a fake way. I, I'd rather grow it authentically. And that's something that you can tell, like that was always my favorite thing. Like that's what we talk all the time about my favorite athletes and why I like go after greatness and why, why I love the concept of greatness so much. And it's because every single one of those guys are so authentic. Like I talk about him whenever I talk to Henry, uh, so he is so Henry (laughs) <laughs> like there's nobody that I know like, like that I've ever met right. that's like him, but you can see it in his eyes that that's, ex- he's doing exactly what he was made to do because he knows who he is. And nice. that's the, that's what I want to try to give off too. That's what I, that's what I respect is that if you look at me in my eyes, you know that, Hey, this is exactly what that man should be doing right now. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's a uh, calamity. Like we, th- we think of people that are quote unquote egotistical or portraying a bad thing. Like, when the authenticity meets a confident person, 
right? It's mm-hmm. going to come off as egotistical because they're, they're living out their truth. They're being their most authentic self and who their most authentic self is happens to be the king of cringe happens to be the best in the world at whatever yeah. else, right? Like when you're doing that, like you, 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 for lack of a better term, it's hard to criticize for somebody for being their most authentic self where, um, and that's where we get in a lot of the, 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 um, criticisms of people like that is like when somebody's not being their authentic self or they are like faking it. Yeah, no. And that's where I wanted to bring up at the beginning when we were talking about like when you had mentioned like ego being a bad thing sometimes like sure. I, I think ego can be one of the most magical things that could happen to a person if it's directly in line with who they are as a person. Yeah. Like, I've been called cocky a good amount of times in my life, Um, um, but I never really saw it as a bad thing because everybody I looked up to had a little bit of cockiness, like cockiness and swagger. There's not much that differentiates them, right? Right. Right. That big dick energy when you walk into a room or like Kelly Sturette says, like you want to be the big gorilla in the room when you walk in and there's guys like Kelly Sturette that literally have changed the game and they kind of took over the game because of that fucking swagger, because of that ego and ego doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Being cocky, being confident, being whatever you want to call yourself. If it's authentic, ego can be a really fucking good thing that can move mountains. And I feel like so often we, everybody tries to taper the ego. Everybody says you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have an ego. It has to be about everybody else. It has, it can't ever be about you, which it, it, they shouldn't correlate those two arguments, but they do. And then people push it deep down and they don't realize how many good things you can get if you use your ego in a positive way. Yeah, no, I, I I like that a lot. And I think the, the concept of like eliminating the ego is a, is a little bit of a, a a naive type of concept. Like you're never going to get rid of your sense of self and you're never going to get rid of the, the inner voice that either tells you to pursue something or don't, or tells you to, to be your most authentic self or brag a little bit in that sense. So I think mm-hmm. the ego can certainly be a really good driving force in a lot of change that can be made and a lot of your own personal ambitions. I think as with everything else, it, it's dosed in moderation, right? Cause if we give too much into the ego, then we're going to start just doing shit that we love to do or doing exclusively things. We're good. Man, that sounds so bad, Alex. Doing well, thing that you love to do all the time. That sounds, well, see, but this is, this is why we're having the conversation because sure. I get where you're coming from, but is that really a bad thing when it's leading to success? Like sure, but what if, if, it's not? if I, right. But that's when you make the switch. What I'm yeah. saying is no matter what, most people say you shouldn't lean into the ego and they don't even, it, it they don't even see the success you can get where ego is going to keep going up. Obviously, if it's causing disparities in your life and shittiness, why would you lean into that? (laughs) Right. But but if ego just keeps leading to great things, motherfucker, ride that wave because that doesn't happen very often. Like if you get to if you get to lean into that ego and it's giving you untold fame and riches or whatever the fuck you're looking (laughs) after, like lean in and ride that wave because there's nothing better than that being authentic and also making everything you can possibly make in life. And getting your way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't hate on guys that are balling out, right? So exactly, like this, that swagger. It's a real thing. Like yeah. swagger is just positive ego. Yeah. So I, I guess uh, that I guess that's the the true 
I don't know, like absolution or that's the, the gut check is like success in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, like, but it gets really dynamic and really interesting because you can have a lot of success at being inauthentic. True. As well. hundred percent. And that's how but, you get people that have a lot of success on the outside, but then are like super depressed and have different for sure. Well, and how, how long lasting is that typically? Like we, we're literally, we are, (laughs) we are two weeks after one of the largest financial heists in the world's history with FTX basically falling apart in the crypto market and taking billions of dollars. Like that guy was extremely inauthentic to himself and he raised money for two. He created two multi-billion dollar companies that all went extremely belly up and are bankrupt now. And he just took the money and ran like how yeah. long. And that was all in a matter of like 10 years. How long can you fake that shit and keep being successful? It's, it's really hard and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So that, there's where your authenticity leads to longevity type of argument. Um, mm-hmm. I want to take this to a little sidebar as we talk about egos. And if we talk about egos in coaching, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about coach to coach relationships and communication with or without egos, right? Or, or, or I know it's a, it's a hard concept, but if that's what we preach with building a fighter is your performance Pentagon and working and collaborating with your other peers or your professionals, right? How much of your ego can you take into those conversations? And then how much, you know, is a good dose versus another dose. And, and one thing that I think we can relate back to with authenticity is like, when authenticity matches authenticity, you can have some respect and you're going to respect each other's opinion. That's like the, the oldest grown book, like real recognize real. But when you have a, or when somebody perceives your ego as being inauthentic or you're just being egotistical, that's when you get the disrespect. That's when you get the kind of shit talk back and forth. And that's when you have a really bad coaching relationship. So I think if you could speak to that just for a second, Austin, as far as like how much ego is healthy to bring into a, you know, strength coach to, to sport coach or a head coach to support staff role type of yep. dynamic. Well, I think, I, I think there's only a certain amount of ego that you could really push into one room. Right. We, I talked yeah. about that earlier with like, it's okay to have a big ego, but if you're working in a collaborative setting, you, you cannot walk in thinking, Hey, I'm going to dominate the conversation. Hey, I'm, right. I'm, I'm the only one that gets to speak. This is, this is my lane. Yeah. because that's where you run into it's not a it's not a team anymore it's it's somebody that is doing everything they want to do and you're not actually collaborating so this is one of those situations where ego can work against you that being said i think the main point is you have to have an ego in your role you have to have an ego and understand what you're supposed to bring to that team mm-hmm. like there's a difference between a strength coach walking into a collaborative meeting, a building a fighter meeting and talking and having some ego based around, Hey, we're doing really well in training. Like she's, she's, she, or he's been fucking crushing it. They had a great camp. Um, the strength looks amazing. This is what we need to do from here on out for the rest of camp from a scheduling and strength and conditioning standpoint, your, your specialty versus a strength coach talking to a skill coach and the skill coach yelling at them about strength work. Like that's where ego doesn't work, but I do think it's valuable to bring your ego into your role and be able to speak up for yourself and have a voice in a conversation. Because if you think that no ego matters and that no matter what you say, everything's going to be okay. And you back away from an argument 
when you should be the one speaking up on behalf of your athlete because it's about them, then that's where backing away from ego is an extreme negative and nothing is going to get done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think ego in your role can lead to confidence, which is generally useless if you can't communicate well. Right. So that's why everybody harps on communication and, and we harp on communication is so important in a coaching and athlete relationship setting that if we're having those types of conflicts and, and a, a skill coach wants to dominate the strength work or a strength conditioning coach is telling the skill coach how to periodize their work, blah, blah, blah. And there's conflicts there. Right. The, the resolution is to have better communication styles and strategies, like point blank, right? Like if I'm a strength coach and, and I have a skill coach telling me how to run my strength and conditioning sessions, I'm going to talk to them, try and put them on, on the, a little bit more of like a comforting approach and be like, Hey, I got this. I've been doing this. I, I have my, uh, and you can enhance their confidence in yourself and at the same time, enhance their confidence in you. Right. So you can have that type of skill at your back, or you can have the the conversation that is about, Hey, trust me, or why don't you come work out with me for a second and we'll see what, and you can see my process and that'll be better. Like there's many strategies that can communicate your ego and, and confidence in yourself without point blank saying, Hey, I'm good at my fucking job. Let me do my job. Right. right. That's where, that's where education steps in, in a great way where, no matter what, if, before you start arguing, there should be an education moment where do do you are you guys even speaking the same language? Do do you both understand the opposing side of the argument before yeah. the argument even happens? Like yeah. exactly what you said. Invite them to come to the gym, see what you're doing, and then if they still don't understand, then you can hash it out then. But if you can't, ha- if you don't have eyes on and are actually seeing it, or if you guys aren't even understanding each other. How the, how the fuck can you settle that for the athlete in front of you? Yeah, you got to get to a common ground in order to solve a problem. Like that's the the first kind of basis is like if we don't have a, a clear communication and understanding of each other, we're just going to keep talking at each other and trying to prove our own point to ourselves, essentially. You know, like it's like I'm worried more about what I'm going to say than worried about understanding what they're going to say, which you know, goes back and forth and can breed conflict on conflict on conflict. But having a, a certain dose of confidence and ego, I think, can lead you to a point where you're confident enough to secede certain arguments, right? And yeah. not in a sense of like, I'm going to let this one go because I don't feel like arguing. It's like, I'm going to let this one go because it's a very small win for him. But mm-hmm. if they feel like they've won that, then we can have a bigger, more important conversation. Right. So I think there, there, there is a lot of point for ego and, um, again, being very confident in your approach so much so that you can see the conflict from the outset or from the outside and then understand where it's okay to let them have one or two points and then really be strategic about your communication and how you're going to approach a, a situation moving forward. Yeah, but I would also say a lot of that can be handled. Not it, not it's not even an ego thing. It's just a preparation thing. If you understand the big picture and preparation, then you know that that's an extremely small piece of the pie, and you can just give that one away in order yeah. to focus on the main goal. Like, yes, it is ego, but I've found <laughs> the more you prepare for something, the less ego you actually have to bring in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you're confident in it. Cause you, yeah, can, exactly. you can communicate your preparation and your confidence in it. So, so yeah, that's, 
that's an interesting point. Like how much of ego is an emotional response versus how much ego is genuine preparation and like a, a intellectual response. Right. And I, I think that they're both not one in the same, but they're a lot closer than people give them credit. Everybody talks about the ego as being something like innately inside of you that you are born with and that it's never going away and it's your soul. When in reality, like I, the most confident I've ever been in my life is when I'm the most prepared for a situation. Right. Like when I used to step on the wrestling mat, I knew I probably worked harder than the person in front of me when I, when going through the club system, I know I put in probably double the amount of practice hours as the person in front of me. That's why I knew I was going to win that match walking into and shaking hands. Mm -hmm. Like that's when I was confident or like when I go do a presentation. I know I put in the work. I spent the long hours. I read over the presentation. I've practiced this 10 fucking times. I know this is going to go well. I have an ego because I'm prepared and I know I'm going to fucking crush this. Like I think yeah. preparation is a huge part of ego and you can, that's actually, that's authenticity is because I think that's when you can pick up on the bullshit is when people aren't prepared and they just try to bring out their bravado and that's when you can see through it. That's when you can see it's unauthentic because preparation oh. and authenticity go hand in hand. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And the type of preparation that you bring is, is partially dictated by your work ethic, but also partially dictated by your personality, right? Like a lot of, a lot of people are really good at, you know, winging it or finding their way in the moment. Right. And other people are really have to have a script or have a program written. Right. And that's where, um, one of the things that our, UWL wrestling coach Dave Malachek said that stuck with me. One of the positive things is preparation equals confidence equals success, right? And and how much even again our podcast two or three weeks back, we pointed to confidence as being the number one indicator, the number one priority when we're in camp, right? So if we've done adequate preparation and we've turned over every rock and we've been honest with ourselves, then we can be appropriately confident. And that confidence is not only going to put you a different mental state, but put you in a different physiological state and physical approach to the fight. Right? Because once you get into the cage, like the moment where you can't think about what's happening and you have to just act, you're going to really reveal how confident you are. Yep. Right. hundred percent. And so that's where the preparation becomes so important and call it, we call it that. Oh shit moment. It's yeah, literally right. just like, it's that. Oh shit moment of, Hey, are you prepared for this? Can you do this or can you not do this? And everybody yeah. like what you made a good point that a lot of people don't understand is that preparation and your feeling of being able to perform under with your preparation is on a scale. Yeah. Like yeah. this is something I, I was a relatively good student. I didn't have to study a whole bunch. I just, I was good at testing and people would think that meant that I didn't care as much about the subject or, Oh, I don't have to, I'm not working as hard. I'm like, no, I just recognized a skill of mine. I don't have to prepare as much as you to get the desired response. That yeah. doesn't mean I don't care as much. That doesn't mean, and, and that's something that bugs me. Cause like, as somebody that is more of the, like I prepare, but for some things I can just wing it and I know I'm going to do well. People always portray that as a negative when in reality, that's just a positive of understanding. Like that's just self-realization right. of understanding right. what you're good at, what you're bad at. It does nothing to do with the, I guess the skill in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to, to place where that, that ego is once you're 
getting to a place where you understand yourself more, where you know the actions that are going to lead to success for you personally. And it's like, where does the ego have a place in that? Because, you know, like, like you said, all your idols growing up had that bit of ego, that bit of swagger, that Mm -hmm. bit of, you know, fuck you, I'm better. Right. Dude, the only two basketball players I cared about were Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Two very ego heavy or like confidence based players. Right. So it's interesting though, because like once you get to know yourself, once you become some self-aware, like a different person might have different, you know, idols Mm -hmm. or goals. Like maybe somebody's biggest idol is like the Buddha or whatever. And and that's, you know, the definition of absence of, of negative ego or or whatever, Mm -hmm. or more the, more of the, the humble don't need recognition or don't feel the need to say I'm good at my job type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a, that's a very interesting journey. And that's where I, I harp so hard on self-awareness, right? Like, cause once you know yourself, once you have a genuine understanding of who you authentically are, then you can almost like take your first steps forward into success in your life. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and then when that person is, when you understand that person and you know, that person is goat status or that person is, I'm going to dominate everything. That's a really cool thing to watch. So since we're making this really self-helpy, Alex, <laughs> what are some steps in order to find self-realization or self-awareness? Because this is something a lot of people struggle with. And how the fuck do I find out about this? Oh, very true. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's something that, you know, I've struggled with. You struggle with. Everybody has this, this moment of where like, okay, who the fuck actually am I? Right. You know, you're scowling because I said you struggle with, but I'm sure it took you a minute to realize some of that stuff. But um, one thing that's helped me a lot is I started a reflective practice and pretty much with my master's degree because it was so heavily emphasized in our education that I tried to apply that to my personal life too, right? Because when you're coaching and you reflect on how did that session go? What decisions did I make? What were good? What were bad, right? You can reply, reflect that into your life. And so for a long time, I took a second every night to look back at my day and it's like, what did I like? What did I do well? And how did I not live up to who I think I am? Right. And so that reflective practice, and you can do that through meditation. You can do that through taking walks. You can do that through, um, uh, What's the shit that you do? The sensory float, deprivation float tank. tanks. Yeah. yeah, you can do that through a lot of cells. But I think at the end of the day, it breaks down to taking time with and for yourself, right? And anymore in this day and age, it's so hard to spend one single moment not being distracted or entertained. I, I was just about to say that. I'm like, my one tip, I really hoped you didn't say it. <laughs> Be bored more. Like, right. like let allow yourself to be bored and alone with your own thoughts. That's why right. I love that sensory deprivation tank because you just sit there with no light or sound or nothing and you just have you and your own thoughts and you find out a lot about yourself when you just sit there. And it's because society is in a lot of ways geared against you. Society wants you to be a blind consumer and be entertained all the time. They want to tell you how to think, what to buy and how to act, right? How do you like, cause they want your money, but it's really hard to sit alone either in a separatory deprivation take lately. I've been taking a lot of walks and I really enjoy that or sitting down to meditate or, you know, like, uh, one of the things Austin Yoakum, we had him on the podcast a long while back. One of the things he posted was like, he's like, you want to do some of the hardest work of your life, sit down in a room 
with all the lights off for an hour. Don't take your phone. Don't take anything. Don't fall asleep. Sit down in a room, lights off for an hour and see where your thoughts take you. Right. And so that in itself, I think is really hard to do. Like, and we're adding to it with our entertainment of the podcast, right? We want to be something that, that can be beneficially distracting or beneficially um, entertaining for you. But like, you know, I, t- I took a moment the other day to think like, what parts of my day and am I not being entertained? You know, I come home and I'm, I'm cooking a meal. I have the TV on pointed in the kitchen and I'm watching a show while I'm cooking. You know, I'm driving to work. I have the podcast on, on the, the radio and I'm letting that distract me. You know, I'm at work. There's a ton of TVs around our gym. We're blasting music in the gym. There's a person talking to you about the work that you're doing. Right. And it's like, so I think there's a lot of value in science or silence, excuse me, a lot of value in silence and getting to know yourself through those type of quiet reflective practices. What's cool is cause I have done the hour in a dark room. Like you find, at least for me personally, like I always find out what my body needs. Like sometimes yeah. I just start thinking and, and, and I have good thoughts and I have like ideas. Like I came up with the business plan for warrior sports wellness literally right after a float tank. Yeah. I was in there. I, I, like I always knew what I wanted to do, but how am I going to make it work? I went and sat down at a coffee shop right after and wrote out the entire thing. And it's still the same thing I use to this day. Yeah. And sometimes I can be sitting in a float tank and I just feel the need to move my body. And I just like, I'm just like, Oh, I need movement today. And I just start moving my body all around. And I just like stretch everything and do mobility work, just like sitting mm-hmm. there in the float tank. Um, but it's cool when you let your brain go quiet or I guess not even quiet, when you let everything else around you go quiet, your brain takes over and the brain's number one thing, right, is typically what does the body need and how do I stay alive? Yeah. And that's what, when I do that, that's always what my body goes to or my brain goes to. It's like, I, I don't know what it is that day, but it's always one specific thing that I can kind of lock into. Yeah, and man, it's really hard to determine what you need when you're constantly masking it with what I have to do. Mm-hmm. right? Because you and me both, we've been workaholics for the last, whatever, however many fucking years that we've been doing this. And even beyond that, when you were in chiropractic school or when I was starting in the strength and conditioning thing, like there's a lot of shit that you have to do, right? You have to make the programs. You have to spend the time in front of clients. You have to do the background education piece to be better than everybody else. You have to do a lot of things and you have to be constantly on, but it's like, Take time for yourself every once in a while. It's like, what do I need right now? And maybe what you need is to fucking sit down on the couch and do nothing, you know, for a day. Like my my wife and I have even bonded over it. Like she's doing her graduate school uh, right now and she's almost done. Um, but there was literally some Sundays when I was in grad school and I was working as a GA in a weight room and fucking worked to the bone. And there were Sundays when I literally slept until 3 p.m. Like I went to bed at 10 or 11 on a Saturday night and I didn't wake up and start my day until like 3 p.m. on Sunday. Right. And she didn't understand. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, is he in ill health or is like, what is going on? And then now that she's at the end of her graduate school, she's doing the same exact shit. She's sleeping in every spare second that she can. So it's like, it's like, what do you need in a moment? And, uh, and so I think that's really interesting to, to analyze within yourself is like, how can you see what you need, not for what your ambitions or goals are, but what do you need 
to continue to operate as a healthy, happy person. Yeah. And it's a, it's a cool skill to have when you can figure out and when you can start figuring out what you need to make, it makes you yeah. feel a lot better. And it's a continual process because you're ever evolving too. And you have different shifting goals and, mm-hmm. um, ambitions or goals and values in life. And it's like, that's why, again, I think it's really cool when I see somebody that can live out their values almost seamlessly. Yep. Right. Because it's not that they're, you know, and it looks different for different people. Like I know for you, Austin, like when I see you living out your values, it's like working all the time and it's yeah. crushing shit on repeat. Right. And like, and it, a lot of people value that just period in itself. They value the work ethic and the accomplishment. Right. I value that because I know that's who you are and what you want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. The same way as I can see somebody that, you know, works four hours a day and gets by on whatever little money that they want or have. But if that's authentically them and they're having success and they're happy with it, like that's cool to see too. It's the Hawaii beach bum model. Like they can just lay on the beach. I I cannot even comprehend how that (laughs) sounds fun. That, that has always bugged me that that was some, that's what somebody wants to do with their life. But guess what? that's what makes them happy. And when you, when you tell somebody's authentically doing that, you're like, Oh, that dude's living the fucking life. You, you see it in their face. There's, there's nothing else they want. That's not what yeah. I want. I fucking yeah. love do. I love doing what I'm doing. I wake up every morning and I work a lot, but I'm excited every day I wake up. But, oh, man. but it, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. It, it's cool when the ego and the authenticity and everything that's, or everybody, that says, Oh, the ego is a bad thing and seeing when it actually plays out in a good way, I guess could be our wrap on our ego podcast. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's good and bad sides to the coin. Right. But yeah. a lot of times I think the ego has just a really negative kind of connotation to it. I know. And I mean, that comes from the whole ego is the enemy type of book, but there's good. And Buy bad our self-help book, kind of- building a fighter, self-help. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So this is Dr. Austin Shane. If you guys got to get in touch with us, all of our information is in the show notes. We also have programs available at buildingafighter.com. Alex, kick us out. Alex Friedman. Austin Shane. And we are out.